Welcome to our community. This is Saratoga Best. Miracles. Miracles. Do we see miracles? Do we see miracles? This sikha is about this part of the Yeshev, spoken just before Hanukkah in the year Tavshin and Base. It's all about miracles. Do you see miracles? Do we see miracles? Where are they? Why don't we? Why do we? And just to quote from the sikha before, as the Rebbe says, that we find ourselves in Yemaisa Mashiach now, obviously the first phase of Yemaisa Mashiach, we need to open our eyes. And then we will see a very different world. So there's a, a, a way of, while we're in the first phase of Yemaisa Mashiach, as it's brought down in the sikha and it's brought down in the Navi, that the first part of Yemaisa Mashiach, there's a lot of evil, you look at um, the Haftarah of Balak, the, the, the beginning of Yemaisa Mashiach, is, there's still a lot of evil out there and, and within personal evil within every Jew. You know, There's negativity and darkness out there from the world. There's still, there's still bad stuff going on. And from within, we struggle a lot. This is, this is the way it's supposed to be in the first phase of Yemaisa Mashiach. So... But we need to know that there's a major shift from Gullus to Yemaisa Mashiach first phase to the last phases of Yemaisa Mashiach. We always thought it's either Gullus or Geula, either bad or good. But obviously there are gradations and there are phases. So one of the things we need to do is to start noticing the miracles that are going on because it pushes the world over the hump, you know, over that threshold where it kind of gets you know, you're walking with just socks on the floor and there's a nail sticking out of the floor and every time it catches your sock and you're stuck. You can't, you can't get to the next room because it, your, your sock gets stuck on the nail. So we're getting our socks stuck on the nail so that without, so that we feel like, but it's so hard and gullet and we're so hard or this phase, even if we're in Yemaisa Mashiach, wow, it's so hard. Like we want to see the miracles and be cognizant of them so that we can get our sock off the nail or fix the nail and push forward into Yemaisa Mashiach. So our perception of reality has everything to do with it. So the Rebbe says that we spoke recently about that all the signs of our generation, all the signs of the last generation of Gullus, the first of Geula, we finished everything, we're ready for Kabbalah's Pnei Mashiach, etc. And people ask. If the Geula depends on the whole world being ready, not just one person, not just several people, not just one part of the world, the Geula depends on the whole world being ready. Because it's connected, uh, it's connected with Kibbutz Goliath, the ingathering of all Jews from all four corners of the world. And the Geula depends, it includes the ingathering the, the Geula includes the purification of the nations of the world in all, all of the lands. Important point, that's what's happening now. The purifications of, purification, the bureau of the nations of the world, of the Gentiles. That's what's happening now. So if that's the case, we ask the question, do you see a change in the world? Do you see that the world is ready for Geula more than in other generations? That's the question that people ask. The Rebbe says, well, you'll decide for yourself. Let's give you a little bit of info. 
let me ask you a question, the Rebbe says. What is the reason that Jewish people are always wandering, the wandering Jew? We were sent from this country to that country. We, we were in Eretz Israel. We were exiled. We had to go to Babylon, Babylonia. Eventually, from there, we came to um, the southern countries of Europe, southern Europe. We lived there for a very long time. It was very good. Boom. Exiled, 1492, up to northern Europe. Also, at the same time, as we're being exiled, boom, Columbus is sent over, discovers America, so that we're going up to northern Europe and eventually over to America. Everything is being prepared. We go from one place to another to another. Why are we traveling so much? Stay still. Sit in one place. The nations of the world don't let us. They keep, keep kicking us out. But why is Hashem doing it? The spreading out of the Jewish people in various countries called Mephuzer and Mephurah ben Amin. Scattered among the nations. That's what we are. It seems like a negative thing. And the more we're spread out, the more negative it seems. We're supposed to be one, the Achdus. But Chazal say, Tzedakah Asa HaKadosh Baruch Yisrael, Shepizarim Lebena Umas. Chazal say, oh, it's a good thing that Hashem spread us out among the nations. Okay. Why? Because we gather something up. When you go somewhere that you weren't intending to go to, you pick up the stuff of that place, and everybody's picking up the stuff of their place. People in Australia pick up Australian stuff. People in Canada pick up Canadian stuff. People in Morocco pick up Moroccan stuff. And then, when we all go home, we're all going to bring our souvenirs and pool it all together and see what we've got. So here's the question. How do we pick up the stuff in the place that we live, the place that we were born in? And we certainly know that where you were born and where you grew up in your formative years will have a huge impact on the way you are. Your accent, your likes, your dislikes, your way of acting, your midas, it has a huge effect. When you're in certain melting pot places, you see the different nationalities and they are very different. So this one believes in just telling you as it is. And the other one, you know, will hold it back. I was in such a melting pot place at a Malava Malka and it was crazy wild nuts energy, just crazy energy, very intense. So everybody's sitting and one's being pushy and another one's being polite. And and finally, about two hours later, I said, well, this is a great place to go to because, to go to at night, because if you want to have a good sleep, if you have trouble falling asleep and you want to have a good sleep, this place really exhausts you. So you know that after being here, you're going to have a really very deep sleep because you get really exhausted over here. And everybody laughed. They all liked it. They said, wow, you say it as it is. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, right? It was such crazy combinations of energy. So, now some people would never say that. Other people would. You know, some people say it as it is, and some people will never say it as it is. Depends where you grew up, your family, or this, or that. 
So that means that we go to those places. We all come from our home, Eretz Yisrael, and we're sent out. Every single Jew was sent out to settle in a different place of the world, different city, different neighborhood, different family. And we enclose ourselves in the customs of that place. We speak their language. We eat their kind of food. Each place according to its Indian, according to the, the, the conditions of that place, and the people of that place, the way they act. In France, you drink, you once upon a time, drank your coffee from a bowl. I bet you don't anymore. Uh, you know, in America, you drink from a mug. In England, you drink from a teacup, um, etc. You know, these things are not as strict as they, they once were, but Different ways, different customs. And we think, eh, what does that mean? You drink from a teacup or a mug or a bowl, what's the difference? It's huge. The Kedusha is actually embedded by Hashem in those customs, the sparks. Let's say, let's say the Kedusha, the sparks that, that have been apportioned by Hashem to that country are also embedded in those customs. And when you insert yourself into those customs, Alpitaira, when you're allowed to, there's no halacha about drinking from a teacup versus a mug. You're allowed either one, as long as you title it. So drinking, you know, high tea, tea time, tea and crumpets in in England out of a teacup versus, you know, having coffee from a plat, from a paper cup or a mug. Um, nobody in corporate America brings a teacup and has a teacup at their in their cubicle, but they, you know, they all come with their mug. You know, I love sushi or something, mug, you know, whatever, or like smile, or life is good, you know, everybody has their little mug. Nobody in England brings a mug to their place of work. So much is embedded in those customs. Going into that country, living there, doing it that way, it gives us access to those sparks, and we get to pull them out and bring them home. How is it said? You go there, you act like them, you know, when in Rome, do like the Romans do. And the din is, when you are in a place and you're doing business, go according to the minhagim of the place. In, in, in the way that it, whatever is permissible, I'll be tired. The Iker Gadol, Bidvarm Elu, that is the minhag of the place, the custom of the place. The customs of the non-Jews. The mug versus the teacup. This is a custom of non-Jews. It's not our custom one way or another. Our custom is make a bracha on the tea. Not what kind of a cup you drink it out of. And in order to use out these customs to serve Hashem, because everything that we do, we do for the sake of heaven, and know Hashem in all your ways, go into those customs and extract the sparks to serve Hashem, and to get to, to serve Hashem with those sparks. And not only that, those sparks don't only, are not only used, you pull out the sparks and you serve Hashem with those sparks. Great. Here's another amazing piece of information. You not only serve Hashem with those sparks. Imagine you see somebody like, 
So what are you going to do today? Well, I'm going to pull out some sparks from the tea and the teacup. And then I'm going to, oh, nice. So what are you going to do with them? So then I'm going to serve Hashem with those sparks. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. Okay. Have a great day. Great. Then she meets another person. She says, hi, what are you planning to do today? She says, yeah, I'm also going to pull out the sparks from the tea and the teacup. So, oh, what are you going to do with it? Then she says, I'm going to use those sparks to get to know Hashem in a very deep way. You're going to what? I'm going to take those sparks and use and get to know Hashem with those sparks. Oh, really? What's that based on? Well, it's called Bechol Drachecha De'ehu. Know Hashem in all your ways. Part of my ways are how I drink tea. How I drink tea has embedded within it the ability for me to get to know Hashem. Because there are things in there. There are apps. Sparks. There are apps embedded in there. In these customs of like how I drink tea. To enable me to know Hashem and have a deep, deep, intimate relationship with Hashem. Pretty good. So what am I doing with these sparks? One, I'm serving Hashem with them. Two, I'm getting to know Hashem with them. Three, two, Geben and Tyre Mitzvah. I'm actually adding on to Tyre Mitzvah with these sparks. So these sparks achieve three different things. Pretty good. Sparks embedded in the customs of any particular country that I live in. Sparks, what do you eat for a snack? Many people I see, and maybe it's only New York, maybe it's all of America, they eat sushi for a snack. Right? They eat sushi for a snack. Now, not all countries eat sushi for a snack. So let's say in Eric Israel, they eat falafel for a snack. But they don't eat sushi. You know, they want to have a light lunch. They have sushi. Well, it used to be in Japan. But in, in Israel, they'll have falafel for a, a light lunch. Much is embedded. We said three kinds of tools are embedded in that, that, that whole process of eating them. One, you can serve Hashem with those sparks that are those apps that are embedded there. Two, you can get to know Hashem. And three, you can add on in Tyrion Mitzvahs. You can, you can add on to Tyrion in a way that it wasn't added on to before. So, so, Hasidus says, Why did Hashem only sent us out among the nations to collect gerim? What are gerim? The sparks of holiness, which are found in those things, in those places. And that's why Hashem said, Go get the sparks! One, two, three, go! He sent us there to where the sparks are, and he sends us every moment. Why did I miss that bus and I had to wait for the other bus? Why did I decide to walk down that block and not that block? The sparks are waiting for me. They're saying, hello, hello, we're over here, over here. Sparks are calling to us. In order to be mavar and mezache, in order to purify and elevate and 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 extract these sparks in that place. We have to interact with that place and the stuff of that place. So that's why it's a great tzedakah that Hashem sent us out all over the world to get the sparks that are waiting for us. Because they will do, those sparks will accomplish three things. 
And that's the Maila of our Avaida in purifying. Birer Hanitsutse Kedusha. It's called the Avaida of Birer Hanitsutse Kedusha. Elevating, purifying the Nitsutas, the sparks of Kedusha, which find, find themselves in each and every country, each and every city, each and every neighborhood, each and every place, each and every thing. Each and every teacup. So now, we understand the Maila in this that we're spread out among the nations. Ufaratza yama v'kedma v'tsoyna v'negba as the bracha was of Hashem to Yaakov Avinu. Because Dafka threw the Abayda of Yidin in every single country in a way of how do you have to do it? How do you get those sparks? Hislapshus pnimis. Let's say it in the other accent. Hislapshut pnimit. Sounds fancy. A deep embedding oneself within the core of those sparks. Sorry. Embedding oneself within the customs. You go deeply into it. You know, hold your nose, dive deeply in, and you go right into the very core of those customs and those places and those things, and you find the sparks. Every place in a different way. How do you do that? How do I dive deeply into it, into these places where the sparks are? Settle in a country and in a land and live there. Everybody has to live somewhere, even if temporarily, even if you're traveling, you can only go for so long without sleeping. So you may live in a hotel or a motel, but you have to live either temporarily or temporarily or permanently somewhere. By living somewhere, even if, if it's for three weeks, but especially if you live there permanently, then you have access to those sparks and you do wondrous things. And what we do is we conduct ourselves according to the customs of the place in a way that Tyra permits. And what do we achieve? The birer and the zichuch from below to above, the purification from below to above of kol makum makum lefiyin yanahu. Every single place according to its inyan. So that every place becomes a bittachten in its lowest place. Tachtani means plural. The tachtan, each tachtan, each lower, each part of the world is kind of not a very lofty reality, but very low street kind of a thing. Every street is different. Every, there are billions of different kind of situations in the world that are begging for us to hook up with them, connect with them, and embed ourselves in them. It's different if you're somewhere temporarily or if you're Mashpia from somewhere else. Shlomo Melech did that. He sat in Yerushalayim and he was he sat, sent out his hashpa, his influence, out to the world. He didn't travel. The Magid, Mizritcha Magid, stayed in one place. He didn't travel. He sent out his influence from a central place. The Baal Shem Tov traveled around and went from place to place. So if you if you send your influence from a central place, or you're you're in a place temporarily, it's different. Then you don't achieve what you achieve, what you can do when you live there permanently. When you live somewhere permanently, 
you know, at least for a couple of years, when you live somewhere permanently and you settle there, um, you get to know the customs of the place and it, and you achieve wondrous things. Not only that, but you have more success. We, we see it in a very obvious way. How come there are different customs from one country to the other, as we've just said? Because there are special Eingeschaften of that. There are special Tunis Amakam. There are special, there's a special energy to each place, special qualities to each place, the qualities of the people in the country. And when we act according to the minhag, the custom of the place, um, the one that fits that place, it gives us more success in getting these sparks out. So, therefore, a Jew that finds himself in a place, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. It's very interesting that the Rebbe is saying this, because we are used to, as Jewish people, saying, go to a place and do the opposite. You know, they, they all do this, do the opposite. We always prided ourselves on being in a place and not doing what they do. Not blending in, not being like the nation. This was, this is a very big thing for us. And, and here is a, and the, obviously the Rebbe agrees with that. But at the same time, the Rebbe is opening up a deeper secret in Tyra that is telling us why Hashem chose to send us to all these different places. What? Just, just to make us go to more places and not do what they're doing? Hey, I live in Australia and I don't do what they, they do. Then I decide every, every year I move to a different country to show them that whatever you do, I don't do. Really? Is that our advice as Jewish, Jews? Imagine, some people, they like to move a lot, right? Some people don't, some people like to move a lot. Some people like to move from one country to the other, they're globetrotters. Is that what we were, why we were sent to globetrot? To go from, I go to France, and I just don't do what the French people do. Then, I move to Spain. I don't do what the Spanish people do. Then I move to Portugal. I Then I move to Greece. I don't do what the, the Greek people do. And I move from country, I go up to Austria. I, on purpose, don't do what the Austrians do. We move from country to country to country to show them, we don't do what you do. Really? Should have stayed in the first place and saved yourself a lot of bother of traveling if you're going to go and not do what they do. So what do you need to be there for? No one ever thought about it before. The revolution that the Rebbe is bringing is that Hashem is sending us to those places to extract the sparks that are embedded in the custom. And so, um, that's what why there's a din. Go according to the customs of the place. Why? Why should you go go according to the customs of the place? This is an amazing piece of information. When you go according to the customs of the place, 
you buy buy up the real estate. It's like a monopoly game. You know, you you do the dice and you fall on you do one, two, three, four, five, and you fall on uh, Beach Street, Beach 48th Street. You say, ah, oh, I'm on Beach 48th Street on the playing board of the Monopoly. But now once I felt, once I landed on it, I'm allowed to buy it. You buy it, you buy Beach 48th Street. Then you go to another street, you know, Boardwalk. Ah, oh, I'm allowed to buy this part of the Boardwalk. I landed over here. Etc. I, I didn't play Monopoly for many years, but I remember that whenever you would land on a place, you were allowed to buy it if you had enough money. That's exactly it. It's a Monopoly game. You go there. You land in Austria. Good. Buy it. Why, why do you think you landed there? Buy it. What do you mean? I'm going to buy the whole country? No, no, no. You're going to buy the customs. How am I going to buy the customs? What do you mean? Pay for them and buy them. How do I pay for them and buy them? You have a currency, don't you? I don't know. Yes. What's your currency? Cairo. Do those customs in a way that's permissible, LP Tyra, and you just bought customs, and now who owns them? The country? No. Tyra owns them. You bought them. The one who lands on Beach 48th Street buys Beach 48th Street. From now on, I own it. I landed on it. Mine. I bought it. You have to pay me rent every time you go there. That's the famous story of the Baal Shem Tov who met a peasant, heard a tune that he was singing. The Baal Shem Tov said, sing it to me. Again, here's a coin. Sing it again, here's another 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 coin. Until one more time, and the peasant said, I don't remember it. Why not? The Baal Shem Tov bought it from him. He no longer owned it. Now Tyra owned it. So now this became, and we'll see at the end of the Sikha what this is all about. That we did that too. The Jewish people have purchased certain tunes from the nation and bought them, and now they're Torah tunes. Sometimes that's allowed to happen. So you land in Zimbabwe, is that what it's called? And you you buy it with Tyra. You live there. You embed yourself in your, those customs, and you, what's allowed, I'll be Tyra, and, and thereby you end up buying those customs away from the country, and they now become Tyra customs. So, it becomes a part of so eating croissant and drinking coffee, having coffee and croissant for breakfast. Croissant with butter and coffee for breakfast in France. Enough Yidden, enough Jews do that and make a bracha and, of course, kosher version, etc. It becomes a Tyra custom. So now who owns it? The French people or Tyra? Tyra owns it. You just added something onto Tyra 
Plus, you bought it up. You landed there. You did it. You bought it. You bought it away from them. It's no longer theirs. It's, it's, it's Tyra's. This is something very, very, very important. It, this is something that belongs to a certain period of history that becomes pivotal at a certain point in history. It's called, we, we, we transform this custom of the country and it becomes a custom, anhaga, a conduct al pitara. Again, something that's not against halacha. If it's not against halacha, eating croissant with butter and drinking coffee in a bowl for breakfast is not against Tyra. So the halacha itself is yid to act according to the minhag of the place in business things, let's say. So it's true. If you're going to do business, you open up a store in Paris. Now, Previously, I had a store in Los Angeles, and I sold shoes. But I moved. I moved to Paris. Now that I moved to Paris, I opened up a shoe store again. But the laws of how you pay taxes and how you run your business and how you do everything are different. And I need to do it according to the laws of the place. Parisian laws, not not Californian laws. How much tax, how, how you pay tax, tons of laws that are there for how you conduct your business. You have to do it there, the, the new way. And those laws then become part of Tyra law. And in this, we're going to bring this to an end in a few minutes. The Avaita in every place in the world, there are two different stages. One is a Paula Pnimis that we bring Kedusha into that place. So again, to repeat, there are two stages in this, in uh, transforming the, in buying up the um, customs of the place and pulling out the sparks. One is the Pu'ulat Pneumius in the Tachtin. That means a deep activity that you do going deeply into the lower worlds. What does that mean? You bring Kedusha into the lowest place. You bring holiness into the lowest place according to the customs and the rules of that place. Let's face it. What you do in a bowling alley, what you do at a miniature golf course is different from what you do in a shoe store. No question. Um, Right? What you do in a a library is different from what you do in a bookstore. You know, maybe in a lot, library, you just, you don't bring money and you walk out with the books. In a bookstore, you don't walk out with the books without paying money. Every place has its own, its own rules. So one thing is you go deeply into that place and you, and you, um, you affect deeply that place. Or there's another way, um, when you do that, the the place remains what it is. The library remains a library. The store remains a library. But what it does is it receives from the mushfia. I know this is a cryptic thought. It receives from above. 
we'll see we'll see soon what this means um again you go into a place and you bring light from above into that place you you infuse holiness into that place but the place remains what it was it doesn't change the place you just add holiness right imagine you go into a situation that's basically part of but you're going to bring holiness. You know, you go on the subway. You say to Hillam while you're on the subway. It doesn't stop being a subway. It's not like it becomes a shoal. It remains a subway. And you're saying to Hillam on the subway. It's not like, you know, um, the non-Jewish hood type of person, when they see you saying to Hillam, stands up and says, Minion, Minion. Minion, minion, mincha, mincha, he doesn't. You haven't made the subway car into a, a shul. You're saying to him there, and you're bringing holiness into that place, but it's still a subway. Imagine the deeper thing. Imagine if you actually transform the place into something different. The beer, the second way, the higher way is, the beer, the purification is to such an extent that the place itself, with all of its customs and all of its qualities, becomes a terror place. You're staying to Helm on the subway, and the subway car becomes like a show. Or let's say you go to a certain country. You go to come to America. America was a place that there was no Tyra here. And then people start coming to America. The Nasi Adar comes to America. And you build shuls and yeshivas. Bate Kresias, Bate Madrashas. And the place becomes a holy place. You transform the place. It, it, it is. You know, this morning I was walking the place where they had, I saw on one block, one church, on another block, another church. Now, they don't have halachas about not being allowed to sell their building, right? So, as more and more Yidden move in there, and more other people move out, and maybe those buildings aren't so used anymore, maybe they'll sell them to become a, I don't know, who knows, JCC, who knows what, yeshiva, I don't know the place becomes totally transformed. And the place becomes so transformed that it becomes independent. And it actually becomes so luminous. You can actually transform, in a way, the subway car to such an extent. I guess it would require a whole lot of people there saying, um, oh, wait, I have a great example. Um, What is that thing they do? Somebody starts to sing a song in a public place. Flash, flash mob. Flash mob. It's the weirdest thing. Right? There you see people are in central train station in any particular city. And I saw it actually, um, I forget his name. The rabbi somewhere in Australia. And all of a sudden, the camera goes on him, and he's buying, you know, he's shopping in one of the aisles, but he has a little microphone. 
And as he's taking food off the shelves, he starts to sing the Pesach song. And it goes over the loudspeaker. So they set it up in advance. You have to have guts to do that, right? He says it, sings it over the loudspeaker. And people are kind of shocked. And then somebody else, they have people set up different shut, different aisles. And then somebody else starts to join them in the singing. And somebody else and somebody else. Now you have five different people singing Pesach songs in the aisles. And they start to all move to central, you know, near the cash register. And you see them all together. And they're all singing these Pesach songs. And they're not embarrassed. Right? So you see these flash mobs. And then all of a sudden, one by one by one, people start to join them. And pretty soon the entire store is singing Pesach songs. Or, you know, in big train stations where one person starts to sing and dance and then another, another, and then everybody who didn't plan on doing it, they're just innocent bystanders, they start to join and soon everybody is in this flash mob and everybody starts to dance in this in this, this dance together. The place is totally transformed. So that's a sort of an example of it becomes independently influential. Um, it no longer even needs hushba from above. Once the flash mob is going and the whole store and all the customers who didn't plan to come and sing Pesach songs, the entire store, you know, 300 people are all singing Pesach songs together, the whole store, that store becomes independently influential. You no longer need somebody to start the singing. It's got a life of its own. By the way, just a, just a, a, a little editor's note. This is what we see happening today with the purification of Asaph in America. It's the flash mob. One person says, wait, I want real justice and I want to live, you know, in a country ruled by God and I want to vote for this and this candidate who, you know, takes a tough stand and stands for truth and gets rid of terrorism and 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 helps the Jewish people. I I I want to I I believe in him and I believe in this approach. And another person says it and another and another and another and another and another and you have all these newscasts and you have you know the alternate not the media but people who today Hashem made it that today you don't have it looks like everybody has a radio station. Never heard of all these radio stations. It's, it's, it's a, you just have to know a little bit of the tech stuff. You know, you put a backdrop with a, a green screen, whatever it looks like. It looks like you're sitting in a big TV studio. You never know who's who. And the guy dresses up and he sits at the desk and he dresses up like a news reporter and he calls it, you know, uh, Happy Morning America, whatever it is. And he, and he looks like the real deal of the new studio, and he has a regular YouTube channel. And you don't know one from the other. And then one by one by one, everybody starts to have a YouTube channel, and everybody has a, a, a webcast, and everybody has a, a, a TV station, and everybody, and everybody, and everybody, and then it becomes a groundswell. And now once it's taken on a life of its own, that you have half of America doing this, and half of America standing up for these values, and determined to get rid of corruption and determined to get rid of, you know, all all this negative stuff that's been around for decades. 
and fraud, etc., and exposing the evil. Once half of America is on board, it doesn't matter what the elected official will do. Even if the elected official decides to walk away and says it's too much for him, he doesn't want to do it anymore, the people, there's a groundswell that has been created by the people. The people become independently determined. Even if, even though the, this candidate for office is very determined. He's a determined type. But what if he, what if he, I, I can't anymore. The people have now become so, so determined as a group as a groundswell, grassroots type of a, an influence, that even if he walks away from office and says, forget it, the other guy won, there's nothing I can do, I'll come back in four years, the people won't give up the fight. The people have become independently, as a group, determined to push through truth and justice. Even if there's no one at the head from the, from, from, from the top, inspiring them. That's the second kind of transformation that is being referred to here. Not the first kind of transformation. If you have somebody constantly inspiring you from above, you'll, you'll follow what they say and you can get a lot done. But as soon as they stop inspiring you, you go back to, you know, nothing much. That's the first type. You remain, eh. Ready to be inspired. If they, nobody inspires you, forget it. So you go back to what you were. That's the first type of transformation. The second type is he no longer has to inspire you. You all have been inspired from a grassroots way. You, that's it. You're independently determined. You're going to fight this thing to the end no matter what. That's the second process. That's what we're experiencing in America today. And probably Daska, that, you know, Hashem could have made it that, you know, the elections could have been this way and that way and that way. Look what's been accomplished in the past few weeks in terms of determination of the masses to stand up for truth and justice. One of the Sheva Mrs. Benayach established courts of justice, stand for justice and truth. Unbelievable how much has been accomplished by the wrong side winning the elections, quite honestly. Was it the wrong side then? Hashem is much more creative and much wiser than we are. And he has everything planned to a T. Everything's on, everything's perfect. It's all going as it should be. So what we're saying is this kind of energy, and we'll sum this up in a few minutes, the place becomes independent and no longer depends on inspiration from Kedusha, from, from, from an outside place. And it's no longer as if it's determined or as if it's holy. But in the lower realms, there's holiness that is shining and there's determination that is shining that you didn't know was there. That's one of the miracles. We didn't know that there were so many people on board with truth, wanting, seeing clearly what's going on in America. We thought we were the only ones because we learned Tyra. We see this. Again, because we learned Tyra, it filters out to the nations. And then the nations start to have a vision because when the Rebbe says, open your eyes and see the truth, the more we do that, the more it gives the 
strength to the nations of the world, to the Gentiles, to be able to open their eyes and see the truth and not be fooled by the nonsense, by the sins and ear of corruption. They open their eyes when we open our eyes. When we see miracles happening daily, and we open our eyes to see the miracles and see the parts of Geula that are really actually happening now, they start to have clarity in their vision. That's how powerful we are. So, um, and other of it, the people in this place, going back to the place that became independently determined, independently holy, the people in this place achieve entire mitzvahs with their own initiative. They're no longer waiting for an inspiration from outside of themselves, from above. They actually are in the place, living in a place like they're living in France. France is a, this, this whole thing is going to be about France. France is an example of a place that was so unholy. It was anti-holy. It was anti-Hashem. It was the, the antithesis of Kedusha. It was the place that fought Hashem with everything. Napoleon and the French Revolution, their plan was to obliterate Hashem once and for all. Dr. Bitt. They were against Hashem with every fiber of their being. Same old klipa of Sancherev, same old klipa of Paro, same old, you know, a, a, a shinier, newer version of the same thing. What God? Who is God? Paro said, who is God? You're telling me God told you, told you I should let you out of Mitzrayim? Who is he? What do you mean? Hashem is the creator of the world. Let me look at my book says Paro. He looks in his book, he said, I don't see who you're talking about. It's not written in my book. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm the creator of the world. That Klippa comes back again and again and again. Where do we see it now? The plan of the globalists. The globalists want to play God. We will determine who thinks what, who feels what, who eats what, who buys what, who does what. We will determine. We will inject them with a little duck vaccine and we will make them our puppets and we will play God and we will direct their lives. Perfect, right? Except that this is an old game. Nothing new under the sun. They're not, they have more technology at their fingertips than, than, than Pyro did. And they have more technology than Napoleon did or Stalin or it's the same old plan. Just polished up a bit. More technology at their disposal. Paro didn't succeed. Napoleon didn't succeed. Stalin didn't succeed. Yamashima Hitler didn't succeed. They're not going to succeed, the, the globalists. But Hashem has to make them feel like they're going to succeed. For the defeat to be that much more stunning. Because once they're fighting Hashem, well, who do you think is going to win? And who do you think is going to lose? At some, at any given second, Hashem can say, okay, all right, I don't want to play anymore. That's it. That's it. Okay. You played for long enough. Okay. Goodbye. That's it. Game over. Boom. It all ends. Hashem is just prolonging the game for various reasons. But in one split second, he's like, okay, the end of the game. Boom. But the more it's coming from below, from the people being determined to pursue Hashem and truth, 
the more people that are on board so that Hashem doesn't just have to make a miracle from above, but the people make the miracle. The people become independently determined in the lowest world, in New York, in the United States, in these weird places, in these places that are, you know, you know, real China, you know, not very holy places. In those places, you know, you have to hear some of the videos where they're talking about, you know, they want truth and justice. They use language we, 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 we don't use, you know, not, not, not very genteel language. This is their way of it. This is their kukuriku. This is their way of expressing it. But they're, they're calling for truth. The more the people become independently determined, the more the sparks of, from below have been, have transformed the place to a place that is determined to let Hashem and Kedusha run it. So the people achieve in that place in Taramisus with their own initiative, according to their own custom of that place, that distinguish them from other places. So you hear that before we finish this Sikha tomorrow, we're going to stop here. Before we finish this Sikha tomorrow, we should have the full transformation of the lowest gullahs to the most intensely profound holy geula, the geula mitzvah the Mashiach, immediately now. Amen.